Kiki, ki, mama, ma. Welcome to the cult film showdown, Masters of Horror. I am Jim Cotta, and I'm joined by my co-star, Nick Boxer. Greetings. I'm not doing the salutations, though. <laughs> Greetings and no salutations. Jack Hall is also here. Get your kiki key, key, key off my mom. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are continuing our, our exploration of the 2006, uh, 2005 to 2007 TV series Masters of Horror, uh, produced by Mick Garris and featuring directors uh, from horror history and, and horror mastery as well as uh, some fantastic writers and performers and we're in the we're in the home stretch we're doing season two episode four uh, which is called sounds like and jack tell us who our masters are this time uh, it sounds like uh, the director is brad anderson um, brad anderson is known for thrillers and horror films sort of in that genre, one of the often their films that uh, that you could put in one category or the other, it could, could fit in both. Um, Session Nine is maybe his most uh, noted pure horror work. Mm. Um, that was a pretty decent film. That was in two thousand one. Uh, he directed many episodes of Fringe. Uh, he's directed romantic comedies. Directed the underrated uh, or Halle Berry thriller *The Call* and uh, *The Machinist* with Christian Bale. So uh, I wouldn't call him a pure horror director, but uh, he has got some roots in the horror. Um, *The Vanishing on Seventh Street* I think is another one that he did. So another horror film he did. So he has got some. Uh, he's kind of a very diverse director. Um, not overly well known but uh certainly competent and uh you know he does an interesting job with this particular film it's written by a uh nobody of note unfortunately um the writer for this episode uh and I, let's put it this way i already have forgotten the name uh <laughs> it's one of those people who has like a website that says i'm a writer of of horror and science fiction and uh and then has three self-published books you know not not a uh yeah three self-published books uh, a novella and a couple collections of short stories so i'm not sure quite how they they even found this uh particular person to be honest with you it uh it was so he wrote the short story that it's based on rather than the screen. That's what it looks like. Um, yeah, I, think, I believe the screen was adapted by Brad Anderson himself. The screenplay, wasn't it? Yeah. He, uh, yeah. well, he's Vancouver based. He, he may, he may well just been hanging around. Um, okay. So yeah, it's Michael Driscoll. <laughs> Michael, Michael O'Driscoll. O'Driscoll, O'Driscoll yeah, yeah. Who, like I say, he has a, uh, a website saying that he's a, an author of uh, horror films and, and science fiction. And that's how you know he's an author of sort of short films and <laughs> so, or, or science fiction and horror films is because he sells. Uh, 
Because <laughs> that's what it says on the business card. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Writer of horror and science fiction, raconteur. But Brad Anderson, <laughs> like I say, is an interesting director, and uh, I really like the call. And uh, Session 9 was pretty good, too. So, you know, I mean, uh, oh, so let's, let's talk about his actual work in this film by getting Nick to explain what the hell happened in Sounds Like. Sure. Uh, sounds Like. Well, in this uh, hour-long PSA for mental health. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we, we, we get a gentleman who is obviously suffering from some sort of depression stemming from the death of his son. Um, his sadness sort of manifests in exaggerating auditory hallucinations or just exaggerations and the sheer volume of everyday tasks starts to interfere with his regular life um, and just snowballs over an hour. And we watch this man just get more and more crazy until it ends in some sort of predictable manner. I mean, I called the ending of this one probably about three minutes in. <laughs> but it was kind of fun just seeing what sounds would bug him next. <laughs> I particularly like when he got upset at, like, people turning pages and chewing pencils. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, well, <laughs> especially if you have super hearing. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those ones where we don't know why he has super hearing, except for that he has super hearing. And then he commits an unspeakable act, and then he doesn't have super hearing anymore. And then it returns stronger than ever, and he can't uh, he can't handle it. Uh, you know, all of this is punctuated by the fact that he's a world class a hole. Uh, combine that, <laughs> combine that with the fact that he doesn't seem to at all be uh, be attracted to his way too hot for him, and yet <laughs> extremely weird wife. Have you seen this actor anywhere before? I didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize him either. I mean, oh, the, uh, not exactly. Chris oh, Bauer, the lead. Yeah, the lead. He's he's a very he's a very busy actor. Um, he does a lot of TV. Uh, he was on True Blood. Uh, he was on. Uh, uh, he did a series called The Deuce a few years ago. Um, so some, a lot of HBO stuff, a lot of single episodes. Uh, but yeah, like if, definitely a. Like a workhorse actor, uh, but he was on the entire series of True Blood. And he's not a leading man type. Put it no, that way. no, no. He's, he's a, a he's always a supporting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, he's he, his performance is fine. You know, I mean, it's it's a difficult thing to play somebody who's kind of slowly going crazy and not go over the top too much. And you know, yeah, it's uh, kind of hard to add diversity to, okay, this is really loud. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the few times, like, we talk about how there's not necessarily in these shows the biggest budget. Um, and, mm -hmm. and that often doesn't hurt them. And 
you know, this one doesn't really rely on special effects in, in any traditional way. But it is a film that's probably hurt by the fact that, or a episode that's probably hurt by the fact that it doesn't have a sound field like you would see on a modern television show now. Like if you have a Netflix show and it's Dolby Atmos or, or yeah. you know, uh, Digital X or something like that from DTS and this type of thing, and you have a sound field that is that is really seven, three-dimensional and, and uh, you know, with height it sort and, of have and a, different things. It sort of does no, have late-night CBC, P, PBS appeal to it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Uh, you know, I mean, it... They did the best they could, given things, but I mean, yeah, it 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 could have used that that modern technology for their uh, for the sound field that would have really probably driven this home a lot more effectively. I think it's uh, as someone who 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 myself has a hypersensitivity to sound it's hard to represent that to someone who doesn't and that's one of the challenges of the whole show is that um, it's not that it's loud it's that it drowns out everything else like it's not the so it's not the volume um, but uh, uh, Nick had mentioned the the uh, chewing on the uh, on the pencil I probably wouldn't be sensitive to that but tapping a pen against a desk like to distraction uh, so it's a, but it's hard to represent that because it's it's about everything else fading back rather than that thing being like a rock concert loud. Uh, watching this was was a challenge because because of that sensitivity and because of the way the sound the like annoying sounds just keep rising. I had to mute nearly half this episode. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, it, wow. especially well, especially things like alarms um, are yeah. uh, are like they're. They just put my teeth on edge, um, and uh, like far, I like just the beep, uh, like anything that beeps, and you're not expecting it, basically. Um, oh, I you know what? In my personal life, I have the I've had a fire alarm do the low battery thing on it. That's a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is that is. I only have uh, one sound that drives me crazy, and it's the sound of teeth being brushed. And it causes oh, really? chills to run up and down the back oh, no. of my spine. And it just, I, I cringe like you wouldn't believe. I'm chalk, fingernails, uh, you know, on a chalkboard, fine. But the sound of teeth being brushed or even a brush the bristles, like even just thinking about it makes me want to run from the room. <laughs> uh, the, uh, anyone, anyone who has the typing sound effect on their phone, I think they're basically serial killer material. <laughs> I guess I should turn that off. It is the avid, like it, the, the, not o- not only is it like you know just a repetitive sound uh, that I can't control, which is really what it comes down to is the, the lack of control. But but who's what is that for? Like you know you're typing, you're looking at it. <laughs> so maybe, what is that sound even for? <laughs> it lets you know if you missed a letter. No, you're expecting a sound. You didn't hear it. Well, I yeah, don't know. I mean, I have it turned off. <laughs> you see it all the time. You're ready. It, you see it all the time in movies because they need to be representing that the person touching their phone is typing. Um, so, every, yeah, I, every show that I watch, 
like as soon as someone starts texting that you hear that sound even though in the real world like one in a hundred people has to turn on it's constant reassurance it's like a little <laughs> hug after every letter <laughs> love it you're like all right e click oh yeah that's that's the stuff that's oh. good job Nick. That's what it <laughs> oh i gotta get some tissues <laughs> I wrote an encyclopedia and I'd have a cold shower. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that was so that was a, a strange thing about it is that I, I feel for him as a as a, as being hypersensitive. But uh, but it, back to Jack's point, he continues to get irritated by the uh, by the fire, by the smoke detector beeping, even though he could have fixed that at any point. Um, he just, he also takes no responsibility for fixing his environment. <laughs> well, he just got I, I mean, I think we're missing the larger point. I mean, it's manifest his, his grief is manifesting as audio. I I yeah, did I not really think the actual sounds were were the problem at any time. It it was his perception. Yeah, well, it's and it's yeah, it's his perception of those sounds, and it's the lack, and again, it's it's that lack of control because that's the irritating part um, of sounds like that is the lack of control. It's it's not the sound itself. Uh, it's why no no one's irritated by their own phone making a like a message notice, um, but everyone around them is uh, has like has nothing to do with that, so it's just a sound. Um, Especially in a movie theater. Oh, especially in movie theater. Um, and if he hadn't um, hadn't gone, the only time he sought any sort of help, if he hadn't gone to a quack, I think <laughs> this whole thing would have been a whole lot shorter. <laughs> that was an interest. It was an interesting scene because he. Uh, it was all about, yeah, because he goes to see this the psychiatrist who seems to want to talk about himself quite a lot, um, and then so it's uh, a typical psychiatrist. Yeah. <laughs> If you got a good one, that's not happening. But trust me, that happens often. <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, it's that he, it's that he doesn't. He thinks that he's that the guy's selling all. By the way, he lie. wasn't a psychiatrist, wasn't he? A motivational therapist. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right that he was. Yeah, he he was the stop smoking guy. Yeah, he was occupational therapist or something like that, or like yeah. someone that the company supplied. Yeah. So, so back to yeah Nick's original point about uh, the uh, uh, the view of mental health that's provided. It's everyone knows what's been going on in his life. Everyone's like, uh, and no one's uh, no one's stepping up to uh, you know have a have a man to man with him or anything. They're just like you know you. We know that it's been a hard time and uh, suck it up. Um, you know you could have taken oh, a couple of days I mean off. You didn't want to. <laughs> yeah he didn't take like after his you know he, he the tragedy they talk about how he doesn't even take any time off like he is he's a weird dude to begin with yeah you know which 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 kind of brings about like at times this this episode had very uh had a lot of black comedy stuff happening mm -hmm. because he is so strange you know yeah. and and you're like is this is this or like like it's not horror horror that's for sure like i mm -hmm. I don't know really where to place this episode because there's, there's times when it's 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 black comedy um there's some 
outlying horror, I suppose. There's just drama, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know what, what exactly to, to categorize it under. It's tough because, I mean, I, I thought through most of the episode it could have been an Outer Limits or a Twilight Zone. Um, like, it didn't quite fit with the with the not that there's a single tone to this series but it it still didn't feel that horror um like it didn't feel except for you know until you're into the the final bit it really didn't feel that much different than something like shatter day from the the 80s twilight zone it's about someone slowly losing connection with the twilight zone twist at the end you know the it's yeah. actually his boy communicating with them or something. Yeah, like that's, I mean, really, it's the ending that sets it aside as a, like the last 10 minutes sets it from horror as opposed to like uh, an overall tone. We talk, we talk about his superpower at the hearing. Let's not forget his super speed because <laughs> at the end, he manages to go from looking outside, seeing police walking to his door to the basement. Where he's put on a garbage bag, sharpened a knife, and gets out of the house with his uh, doing after doing damage to himself before the police knock. Like that is like he doesn't just have Superman's hearing; he has Superman's speed. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? That's, he does. He does make good time. Uh, uh, or, or, you know, devil's advocate, the police could be incredibly slow. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, it's all relative. I hadn't yeah. thought of it that way. It's hurdles. <laughs> uh, no, no Canada spotting this one. I, I, I tried to track down that, uh, that duck pond that they visit, but uh, couldn't find it. Uh, it does look. It does appear to be the Vancouver skyline. That's, or I shouldn't say appear to be. It is the Vancouver skyline that they see in the background. That's as much Van as Canada spotting as I can get. <laughs> um, it does have that. Like I say, I mean, I, I I think that they did as good a job with the sound field as they could have. It would have been with proper uh, three dimensional sound. Would have been a more interesting episode. I think but they did do the one scene where he's kind of losing his head and. The, the rain is falling and he's walking mm -hmm. outside yeah. and, uh, you know, the, the, the hot dogs are sizzling. And, like, I thought that was extremely well shot. Like, I thought that was really effectively done. And uh, that was yeah. good direction, definitely. I think if, yeah, I think that that mixed in a, like, in a proper surround or in a, like, a high-end sound would be really cool. Uh, I think you could do really interesting things playing with the, like the channels, but, um, and, and, you know, there probably is a 5.1 of this, a mix of this, if I wanted to track down the, the DVD of it. Um, but yeah, I don't think, even gonna, then it I don't think be. the time and yeah. <laughs> There's a difference between 5.1 and true 3D, yeah. uh, most sound effects yeah, that is, that is situational and, and properly, you know, just just having it coming out 5.1 wouldn't be enough to to make it as effective as it needs to be. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as far as that that scene, I thought that was really well directed. The problem may have been this was just not a good story to shoot as a television show. 
I I would I think a a radio play of some sort might mm. have been more interesting. Something where you're more more yeah more focused on the audio. Uh, it occurs to me that everything we're talking about about how the audio is mixed and how it's how certain effects are done. This was a short story. How did <laughs> how compelling yeah. was this environment in text? Um, like that that's that's an interesting thing to go back on now is that you know well, we're, well, we're really well, focused you could go into his head a little bit more mm. yes yeah, rather than just watching him grimace yeah i i think it does it the way that they've done it for like pushes you toward focusing on the sound itself as opposed to what you were saying nick about um about how this is like a it's a reflection and a symptom of of his deeper, um, you know, depression and anxiety and and just like mourning on a level that we can't even imagine. And uh, I think everyone can relate to the hypersensitivity. I I felt sort of like this. I haven't killed anybody, and I haven't even squashed any uh, mites. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like anybody's believing that. It's but, that was the one know, scene the I had to look goes away. away, and I don't feel that yeah. anymore. So it's relatable in that sense. So I get the horror of it or the scariness of it. I don't know if it's horror. <laughs> Just in relation to some of the other episodes, I I didn't get this one as much. Again, I think it would have been more effective if he's more likable, mm. because yeah. then you'd feel for him and. and and the torture he's going through, and the, the uh, you know the trauma, and 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 seeing him fall apart, you'd feel for him more if he was more likable. But because he's just kind of a dick, you know, <laughs> and he has that really odd scene with that uh, the kid he works with in the park, and and all that stuff. Like that is a weird scene. <laughs> it is a weird ass scene, dude. Um, he weird hair. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about that. Was I hadn't odd. thought of it that way. But uh, weird hair—that's that's that's, uh, that's worth noting. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's where it's, it falls apart is that that the character is not likable enough to really for you really to feel like you're going along the journey with them. But if the character was more likable, would his pain come across? I mean. We never actually get to see him before the death of his son. So yeah, him that's... being an asshole is sort of just a symptom of what's going on. Yeah, just one well, of I the challenges. He's an a-hole even beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, well, and uh, yeah, the one the one scene. So he's in the park. He's like he's talking to one of his like a younger coworker, one of his staff. And then he starts imagining he's talking to his son, and that is that is the only glimpse we get of what he was like as a family man. Uh, and it's and even that it's not a flashback; it's a it's him, you know, drifting off from reality, imagining that this is his son he's talking to. Um, so yeah, we don't get we don't get to see him happy. We don't get to see. Um, we don't even get a feel for um, 
like why his wife is with him or anything like that. Other than she's weird. Yeah, I mean she's pretty weird. Yeah, well, pretty hot. <laughs> Maybe a different job. I mean, you're not really immediately go. You know, I like the call center worker. <laughs> so you're already set up to hate him right off the bat. <laughs> my younger brother's been a call center manager for 20 years that's hilarious <laughs> that you know what that makes a lot of sense that's that's his whole job yeah he he basically has this job um he's a supervisor and trainer yeah <laughs> does he does he enjoy cutting off and and uh you know and terminating the calls as much as this guy apparently does you're talking ask. to that person for an extra 35 seconds and, and making them feel good about their day. That's <laughs> they, they might have actually enjoyed that. Yeah, they might have enjoyed that interaction. Well, what are you doing? Maybe you can answer this. I was wondering in this about do they actually time the calls like this? Yes. And try to reduce the time people are on the phone? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That is some anal shit. <laughs> <laughs> I so much of these Joe jobs are timed. Uh, I worked at a I worked at a uh, coffee shop that was heavily drive through, and there's a giant clock on the wall counting down. But that has to do with customer service, not that's that's what phone service. That's all. That's all a phone support is. Yeah, but I mean, people people if they're talking to customer support, they want to be helped through something. Yeah. But not in record time. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, but yeah. anytime I've called one of those, I keep those guys on the line forever. Well, I'll see if I get my brother on to do uh, to do an episode. <laughs> where he yeah, really that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> like you, you ask. Maybe you can answer this, and I'm like, no. He he said his brother works there. <laughs> Well, I don't know. He talks to his brother. It's that big of a thing. I mean, that's all we learned. Oh, yeah. about well, it does sound like a fascinating... that they're supposed to be like really quick on the phone. It does sound like the fascinating type of work where you go, tell me every detail, please. <laughs> he talks to his brother. I don't think. Tell me all the good stories I, right now. I will now. Oh, uh, yeah. There asking. you go. <laughs> I mean, what you really want to get from someone who works at a call center uh, is, uh, you know, the crazy calls. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to ask more details about uh, yeah. uh, how they how they um, evaluate staff based on call time and call success. Yeah. Yeah, that's really what we all want to know. <laughs> I'll, I'll text them as soon as we're done with this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did, we, uh, did we learn anything this episode? Uh, hmm. Um, hmm. that's a no. That, <laughs> that's a no. All right, then. Anything left to say about the episode? <laughs> Sounds like you can skip this one. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it's not in the top five. No. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're moving on. Uh, next time we will be doing episode eh, season two, episode five, which is called Pro Life, or more specifically, John Carpenter's Pro Life, which works as a title and a statement. That's right, is uh, Pro Life with a hyphen, so Pro Life, not not the life of a professional something. It's a 
That's a film I want to see. That's an episode. Sign me up. That's a great. uh, I'll give a little spoiler alert. By the time that this uh, next episode comes around, that'll be four straight episodes in a row. Uh, Mm. Luckily, after after, um, Carpenter is Argento. So that probably (laughs) will end. We might have a swing there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we are the Cult Film Showdown. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and on Patreon and on YouTube. And please rate and review our podcast on all your favorite podcast app. It helps other people find the show. And uh, please listen to every episode on YouTube three or four times. It, it really boosts the, the recommendations. And uh, also subscribe there. 10 or 15 uh, times, you mean. Yeah, just like whenever you're at your computer, I think you can uh, you can have you can have us on. Just we do have uh, late night radio voices, very calming, and uh, uh, we are sponsored by We Talk Podcasts. Uh, WeTalkPodcast.com is the home of the Octagon, uh, where we keep track of our us uh, temporarily paused search for the ultimate B movie. Year and long pause. <laughs> it's, yes, it's a it's a pregnant pause. Uh, the uh, and uh, also they have a Facebook page and they have a Twitter. And we will talk to you next time.